Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25 percent by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, six thousand American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The recording has begun. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah like, okay. Okay. Because now we've got like twelve. Like I know. Okay, so the video's on. That's already happening. We're doing this.、Okay. <laughs> now we need to speak as if we haven't spoken. We need. I, then... I want to. Can we hire an old timey uh, uh, movie studio person to stand around and be like, you know, marker, speed, rolling. Yeah. Exactly. You know, to tell us do, all the stuff. Yeah. Do、in. that classic thing that happens in the Tootsie film where the guy standing with the the cue cards. Right. With all of the light, just pure SNL, just <laughs> give us the light, just give us the light. Yeah, exactly. Not a lot of people know this, Jimmy, but our podcast is entirely scripted, fully scripted. Yeah, we're so grateful to our scriptwriters; they're just incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if that was like a big reveal? Yeah, I know the season two to three season three change. I think didn't go over very yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Well, when the showrunner left, it was just—it's just, it just, been, it was hopeless. It's, it just honestly, all went downhill. It's been shit since then. I, I would say. I know, especially since hopefully they, we'll have a. Renewal, How do you、like、feel about us getting rid of Chevy Chase and replacing him with a different actor? I don't feel good about it at all.、Yeah. To be honest, I think it's fine.、Um, <laughs> because what's going to happen is we're going to lose Donald Glover. We are. What do we do? That's true, and we are nothing. This podcast is nothing. Is nothing without, without Donald Glover. Donald Glover. That's what they say. <laughs> Welcome to Jim and Tomic's musical theater happy hour. I'm Jimmy, and I'm Tommy, and this is the only musical theater podcast with Angostura bitters and opening night jitters. Oh, <laughs> here we take apart your favorite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffinery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theater conversation. Tommy, what are you drinking?、Mm. Probably celebratory champagne. Cheers! Cheers! I was gonna、It's、say from the mythical land of Genovia, but that's the wrong. That's that's very wrong. Different thing. Yeah. Although they don't really. Do they ever name the kingdom? No.、Mm-hmm. But it's in Europe. Yeah. But vaguely, indistinguishable、so. Europe. Yeah. Because I can't remember where like the Disney one is set. Yeah. I mean, they're all vaguely European. But anyway, what's just like me? What、Europe. are we talking、yeah. about? <laughs> well. It could only be no. Oh, I need to do a quiz question. Yes. Wait, you're reading it. Oh,、um, I got a quiz question for you to tell you what. We're <laughs> oh my god, do you? Fantastic. You ready?、Um, Chance、yeah. the rapper recently saw inspiration from perhaps one of the most unlikely of places. One of the songs in this golden age musical. What musical could it be, Jimmy? Obviously, it's Cinderella. The prince is giving up all. The prince is giving a ball. The prince is giving a ball. He 
it feels weird saying Cinderella. I, I, like out loud. Do you know what I mean? I feel like we're kids. <laughs> it does. In fact, I've got the Disney castle in the background. You do have, yeah. There it is. Kind of. It looks like the haunted mansion. It, it, it's yeah, like, it's a bit. It's a bit. Um, what is it? Minas Morgul in Lord of the Rings. <laughs> it's got that vibe, but that's fine. Um, yeah. So wait, before we go any further. Mm-hmm. I discovered a weird coincidence today. Yeah, tell me more. So it turns out Chance the Rapper is so deeply nestled in the world of Cinderella <laughs> that it's just going to spell the rest of his life, I think. Uh-huh. So um, in May, just there, uh-huh. two minutes ago, um, Brandy released a song called Baby Mama okay. featuring Chance the Rapper. Huh, who knew? I know. It's actually quite a good song. I will have to... And also... To tie in musical theatre, uh-huh. the video uh, was choreographed um, and like designed, inspired by um, Rhythm of Life from Sweet Charity. Huh, that's fascinating. What's going on? Well, of the course, worlds are blending together. Our quiz question refers to Chance's song, Zanies and Fools, um, which yes. is, you know, an homage to the song Impossible from Cinderella, if not... You know, remix is the wrong word, covers the wrong word, but inspired Kind of like it samples it briefly. Right. But also doesn't sample it any version. But, you know, it takes the music. Yeah. I hope he got in touch with R&H. I'm sure he did. I am always fascinated because, like, R&H has a lot of, I forget what they call them. Um, They're like R&H remixes or reimagined or um, where they do um, new age covers of their old songs with contemporary actors in a contemporary space. It just doesn't feel like a very uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein thing to do. I'll find a link and put some in the show notes. Um, okay, cool. But they're, you know, it is having worked with the Rodgers and Hammerstein organization who sometimes licenses things in America, mm-hmm. they seem like a very stodgy organization. Um, and so it's always interesting to hear when they do something, I don't know, progressive is the but that's the thing so yeah i agree but then they also have like in the heights and legally blonde right for us anyway yeah i don't know if well we just um, oh concord has that don't get me started on concord theatricals sorry concord people if you're listening you gotta get your shit together come on guys (laughs) i've not used them yet so i mean no no one's used them yet so but um but don't they own everything they merged right around the time when people stopped doing theater so Oh, okay. Convenient. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Cinderella, right. as we mentioned, has music, book, and lyrics by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Do they ever split up who writes what? Do they ever say? Yeah. So music is Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Book, book and lyrics is Hammerstein. Hammerstein. And I'm sure it's much more Aussie. collaborative. Um, and this is our first or- original television musical, Jimmy. Yeah, exactly. Born on the TV. Yeah. Um, it premiered on CBS on March 31st, 1957. Um, and then went to the stage. Yeah, so it had its stage premiere uh, in London um, at the Coliseum, uh, but not, like, officially. Mm-hmm. Like, officially, but not like, oh, it's, you know, the Cinderella you know and love from the TV. Right. It was like, and we're also doing it on stage. Everyone. Right, yeah. That kind of vibe. And then, like, it lived on TV. It went back, There was another version that came out in 65, and it really didn't hit the stage big time till the mid-90s for the New York City Yeah, Opera. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, what I think most people, certainly most people our generation, mm-hmm. 
uh, know Cinderella as is the incredible Disney plus Whitney Houston mm-hmm. uh, televised recording in 1997. Yes, great production. And then it had a. Uh, it's was it I have to was it listed as a revival in 2013? No, it was a new. It was musical. a new musical. It's such a fascinating thing to be a new musical in 2013 using songs originally written and popularized in 57. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's madness. But yeah, made it to Broadway. There you go. That's that's Broadway rules. Yeah, new book. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting journey for this show, certainly. For sure, but I think it's one of those things. Like, I feel like every iteration that it's had, it's almost felt like its own unique thing. Like beyond just like the kind of contemporary R and H revivals mm-hmm. that we know today. Right. It's not just like oh, we've really polished the set in this one, or you know, like Oklahoma, where we've really kind of retold the story in the same way, but it's all the same content, guys. Like the content changes dramatically. Yes, exactly. Which it situates <laughs> it. To iteration. It makes it weird for like an R and H because. All the rest of their canon is on the other side of that, you know. The original right, Oklahoma exactly. was made for the stage, and you're always iterating on that version. Whereas yep. this is, you know, kind of lives as a set of puzzle pieces almost. Not anymore now that yeah, there's exactly. a, a, a 2013 a, version. A thing, yeah. yeah. And I think so. The um, the 60s one was licensed for a while, and I think that was the one that prior to 2013 that you, was the one that you could you could get. license. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Um, but yeah, shall we? Um, I think the best way to, to journey through mm-hmm. the wonderful story of Cinderella is to look at each iteration in turn. Hop in my us. time machine. Let's head back to 1957. Is that your TARDIS? What's your TARDIS? I, I, it's like asking people to do a Chewbacca impression. Like, no one actually knows how oh. to do it, you know? Welcome to 1957, Jimmy. It's really cool. Everything's in black and white. Did you know that? It is, and I'm in a lovely dress. <laughs> I do. So, like, 
what is wild, and it's hard to find specific research about this, but 1957, early television had to be live for the most part um, because of the way mm-hmm. technology worked. And, like, live in that, like, everything you're seeing on the screen, they're doing basically right now, save for some speed of light calculations. Um, right, uh-huh. And, like, that's just how all TV was for, you know, maybe through the mid-60s until we started getting some more, like, uh, film technology um, and then eventually VHSs in the 80s and 90s. Um, right, okay. But it means, like, that's why t- television program television channels would go off the air at night because people would go to sleep. And it wasn't like you can play reruns or infomercials all night. It'd just be like, you just know, recording them. They'd, there'd be nothing there, or it's like a shot of an American flag and someone leaves the camera pointing at it all night and then they come back tomorrow morning. Right. Um, and so that is the world in which this live musical is being created, as opposed to nowadays where, like, a live musical is... They wouldn't have called this a live musical at the time. They would have just called it a musical because everything's live. Yeah, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, my God, the perk is right. that it's live. Yeah, what could, would, that would just be what could go a wrong? given. Yeah. And everyone would be really nervous. Um, okay, that makes a lot of sense. Well, yeah, because prior to this, I think the main kind of live musical event had obviously been Peter Pan, mm-hmm. um, which I think was only a few years before. It was only a few years before. Hugely successful. Yeah. And then you do, Peter Pan is is how, it was researching that for when the, when do you, when the live ver- new version of Peter Pan happened that I learned all this. But mm-hmm. there were, I believe, I'm pulling this out of my head, so this might be slightly inaccurate, but I think there were two initially live performed versions that we don't have records of. And then the technology got updated enough that they restaged it, and then it was easier to record things. And so if you've right. ever seen the color-recorded version of the Mary Martin Peter Pan, that's, that's from like the 60s. That's what you're watching. It's a couple times later. Um, <coughs> Fair enough. And that so the, the, we're um, right in that border, and it's why we are lucky enough to have, a, a, it's called a kinescope version of this yeah. telecast, but this was new technology. Yeah. Exactly. And so that um, telecast, this was only discovered like relatively recently. Mm -hmm. So it was buried in the CBS archives for years and they thought it just didn't exist and they were all quite sad about that. Um, But I don't know who found it and when, but hey, thank goodness they did. So they've got, it's it's a film recording of the dress dress rehearsal um, of what became the live event. Yeah. which is so, it's so cool. Like, what an amazing thing to discover that yeah. at this late stage. Well, and I didn't know till we we started talking about the show that it was the dress rehearsal either and that it wasn't the live version. And that makes so much more sense because at the time, they weren't recording it for archives' sake. They were recording exactly. it to see what it looked like so that they knew for tomorrow what was going to work and what they needed to fix. What needed fixed. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I think that is just, it's, it's so cool. And apparently they had this, like, big embargo mm-hmm. uh, with the cast that the cast couldn't see it uh-huh. because, obviously, all of these stage actors that they were working with are not used to being able to see themselves. Right. And so the director was really concerned that the cast would see it and get really paranoid about how they look mm-hmm. or you know, what they're doing and get far too much in their head, which I think is such a cool yeah, kind of conceit because, uh, I mean, I don't really know. Obviously, I've not worked in a professional Broadway show, but I imagine there's probably some people who do spend a lot of time 
looking at the performance because we're we're much more used to like a televisual lens as opposed to thinking like I don't want to know what I look like because I'm just gonna be in the moment on you know what I mean right. on the stage yeah I, um, I've often wondered and I haven't found any good like sociological studies of this but like in the mm. same way that uh, musical theater changed after we invented body microphones. And then mm -hmm. the art form changed around it. Like, the kind of stuff we made became different. Like, has performance in general changed once, like, as as film recording, video recording became a thing and then became more accessible so that you could do just that, so that you could look at and see and assess your performance? Because certainly, yeah, for years, you had no way to do that. Totally. Well, because I feel like it must, because I know there's so many interviews and stuff that I've seen of um, like stage actors who have moved into film or something, mm -hmm. and they're always told, you're far too loud. Yeah. Like, calm right down. Like, <laughs> you're, this is TV now. Yeah. Um, and they keep, you know, getting told to, to bring it back. So I, I don't doubt that there has been a huge... There's some, you know... Brain change. ...difference made there. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah, so this 1957 telecast it exists, and it's, it's, it is weirdly kind of wonderful. Yeah. Um, in a very like, ah, oh, the nineteen fifties, right? Kind of way, yeah. Um, like, is this the best way to watch the Cinderella musical? Probably not. Hands down, no. <laughs> um, not not at all. Um, but is it worth watching for Julie Andrews alone? Absolutely, hundred percent. She is stellar in it. She's so good, and it is like, yeah. I just I forgot how it's one of those things like even though I've watched all of her stuff and like you know I've watched Mary Poppins so recently but you just oh, every time she pops up you're like oh my god you are so good right and this is pre Sound of Music um you know that was sixty five this was so this happened I think simultaneously with My Fair Lady she was on Broadway with My Fair Lady okay. at this moment that makes sense um and then filmed this so she's still new like she's still not Julie Andrews right at this point yeah well which is is crazy it's also just an interesting um like art study like certainly the whole thing's a time capsule right um mm -hmm. and we don't have a lot of recordings from this time because of the technological stuff and i just find it interesting that it is an early example of what we know to be this broadway musical theater style rodgers and hammerstein mm -hmm. you know inventing it as they go right yeah adapted for television as opposed to a film of a play or a film of a musical um, like yeah. on stage like there's sets there's you know camera angles they've made some choices here and it's early television so there's a ton of limitations just based on like the size of the camera and how close you have to be to the microphone and stuff um but it's you know they they had to start it they were inventing this stuff as they went along exactly um and it was hugely successful so um yeah it was from a documentary about it but they were said apparently that it would take about 110 years for it, that many people who watched it. It was something like 105 million people mm -hmm. in the US alone. Yeah. Also, you know, like, I think it was broadcast in Canada. It was also broadcast in, like, the territories and, and Cuba and things like that. Um, so, like, I, it must have been higher up into the 120s or something. Mm -hmm. um, like, that many people watching that event. Obviously, at that time, it was the biggest event. Oh ever absolutely and i looked up the stats as well today and it's still in like the top 10 yeah um which is it's crazy um but yeah so that i think 110 years for that many people to go and see it if it, if wasn't it was a just theater, a stage production yeah 
which is mad to think. It does. Like, it's a huge. I mean, we when I remember, uh, uh, take a drink now. I remember uh, when we were having conversations during the cast recording of Comet um, about mm. like the vast inequity between. You know, if like a show never gets a cast recording, how few people will exist, how will he- hear it at all? You know, if yeah. a, if a film, if a if a if a show never gets a, a pro shot or some kind of adaptation like this, how few people see it? Um, yeah. And it is it's interesting to talk about it nowadays, where there is this kind of like bootleg discourse that's been going on during quarantine times, and you know, of like an equity statement. Um, mm-hmm. Plus, like Hamilton on Disney Plus, like this stuff is. Uh, is fresh again just the question of how should we be doing musical theater so that everyone has access to it um exactly and this is y- and we've been talking about it since 1957 well that's it i i just i think it's a it is it's a really interesting point and um it, it did kind of get me thinking because i mean obviously we know that it, at that time you only had a handful of channels right you know what i mean and people paid attention to things like what's happening in the theater oh yeah do you know what i mean like people be like oh fantastic um we'll watch that uh and like for example they did a huge um kind of press run-up um to it which is again kind of unprecedented for this so they did a they did a cast album right um which is nuts um that was set for release the monday after it premiered which i think is so smart that's really kind of genius yes um then they also had Rogers and Hammerstein go on Ed Sullivan, mm. um, which we know from Bye Bye Birdie mm-hmm. is a huge deal. Right. Um, yes, and they went on to Ed's, and they did a song from the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, in those times, that was such an exciting thing because it was like, oh my god, right? The new, you know. Whereas now, like that would get dropped on youtube right exactly like you know good morning america every other monday is like and now we're gonna watch the cast of hadestown perform whatever right and you've already heard it 10 years ago because um anais mitchell did a instagram live of her in the studio like there's no you know i mean there's no like anticipation build up so i can totally understand why it it wouldn't have the same impact yeah nowadays but obviously you know theater having a big question mark over it mm-hmm. this could be a really interesting way of kind of doing it again like just doing a different yeah like a, a show a, a show it. written for you know distance broadcasting explicitly right uh, exactly now i had i had a brace it and obviously there has been a few that people have done really quickly and of course just really quick turnover and, and produce things yeah um and there's a lot of like we'll do last five years yeah. because you know we don't need to talk right and, and be in the same it, space. It's, it suits itself, right? Um, but I wonder, like, as time goes on, mm-hmm. are people gonna think, well, I don't need to write this show for a house, right? Because I now know that we've got all of these myriads of streaming services, mm-hmm. and who knows if people are actually gonna want to go into a house, right? You know what I mean? is actually streaming going to be the best yeah. way forward. Well, um, and it does like the, because this is written as a three act musical, mm-hmm. likely partially because that's for the time. But I also imagine the length is like, this is as long as like, we can kind of go before we all kind of just need to take a commercial break for a second to like mm-hmm. move the set to get to the next place. And yeah, you know, and like Peter Pan televised is the same way. Whereas exactly. stage musicals have shifted to a one or two act structure to keep people in the seat so they don't leave. 
And like, yeah. will we start seeing the art form change again because of this? Exactly. Like, yeah, thinking like factoring in commercial breaks because that's that was the thing is when they wrote it, they factored in the commercial breaks. Right. And that's what's different when you look at things like Grease Live or The Wiz Live. Mm-hmm. The commercial breaks come and you're like, right, why that here? Jarring. Yeah. Like that. Uh-huh. You're just like that wasn't the right beat to do that in. Like there was no other beat that you could have done it. Right. There's no perfect time, but it just wasn't the right moment to take a break. Yeah. Whereas this, it was like beat of a big number or end of a romantic scene with a big orchestral swell. Yep. Da, 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 bum, commercial break. Yep. So it was like little intervals, basically, yeah. um, that you had, which is just, that's very smart. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like to, to cater for that specifically. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like because when we were chatting about in Beetlejuice, mm-hmm. and I was obviously talking about like, oh, you know, TikTok is the end of musical theatre. Sure, blah, blah, blah. sure. Um, but actually, what are we going to see? Like some kind of weird TikTok musical? Well, like, are people going to be thinking, well, I need to think of new platforms? I mean, and I've had this thought with how accessible and I think uh, coveted after these days, like virtual reality headsets are becoming. And like, right. if we do, we see, you know, television was this new and exciting medium, and the the masters of the form musical theater we're like mm-hmm. let's figure out how we're going to use this medium with our form yeah will we we've got a new medium now like immersive virtual reality do i mean we see it with all the developing technology not necessarily musical theater but even like with quibi coming up with like well this is stuff you can only see on your phone because phones yeah. are a newer thing and like the the media is made or the the media is made for the medium and will we start podcast s- musicals? Yeah, like, and written for the thing. Um, thing. So it's just interesting to see how these performance venues kind of overlap, especially with our art form that is so tied to the stage in its like you know prototype version. Yeah, that like when you start leaving the stage and embracing the other you know the 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 dangly bits of the form, um, how that changes things. For sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's a very kind of new frontiery, interesting idea. Like, will that be the the renaissance that we get after a dark period? Yeah. You know I mean, is that what's going to happen where it's like, actually, you're going to be able to create art literally wherever you want it mm-hmm. and it can be good? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Can you imagine, though, you were just, as you were talking about um, VR, can you imagine watching Comet in VR? Oh, it would be great. It'd that's, be... Like the, that's like the perfect one. I know. Well, and that's that's the thing I wonder, like, I've had this thought, you know, we're, so we're recording in August of 2020. Um, yeah. You know, the, the world's being hit by the coronavirus pandemic, um, if you're listening to this in 50 years, and you're like, what's going on? Um, uh-huh. And there's a lot of internet discourse these days. Oh, also Hamilton was released, and these t- on Disney Plus, and these two mm. things together have created a massive amount of internet discourse around like bootlegs of musicals and should musicals be performed in just New York? And there's a whole discussion of equity around this, um, yep. you know, and like th- there was a bunch of ragging on uh, the uh, uh, Lincoln Center Libraries archives, and like why can't they just release the archives? You know, why are they like? holding these things down and there's exactly a tough conversation for sure but like and and also a conversation like pro shoots are expensive and there's lots of rights to manage with this but you plop a vr recording bulb down in one seat for great comet do the show you're done um 
I got to uh, play around with a VR headset uh, recently, and there is actually a three. It's funny you mentioned Beetlejuice. Uh, I think Good Morning America did a three sixty recording of yeah, Beetlejuice, yeah, yeah. and I watched it. And like I've seen it on a computer where you can like scroll around and look, but when you put the headset on and watch the thing. Like, and I'm a techie guy, I found myself, like, looking down in the orchestra pit and, like, right. looking up at the spotlights. And, like, you know, it's just a different it, – it is more close to, obviously, feeling like you're watching the show, <laughs> you know. And so then it becomes this question, like, even with Cinderella, I wonder if they had these conversations at the time or if they just moved so quickly that, like, they didn't get as heady about it as we get heady about everything. If they had the conversation, like, should we do this in VR? Yeah, exactly. Like, should we we pull out our (laughs) secret VR? But, like, was there a plan at one point to just, like, get a, you know, have fewer sets, do it like a stage show, Um, Mm. you know, because that's the form they knew? Or, like, because you can tell they went the other way. They make a lot of choices around, like, we can only do this because... We have television cameras, and even like yeah. Jimmy and I were talking before about the um, uh, the dress transformation, which on the fifty seven mm-hmm. version, you know, as in as much special effects as they can, <laughs> they like <laughs> overlaying a sparkle. Yep, and like they pan away from Julie Andrews, and the fairy godmother kind of like stands there for a second, and, yeah. and they pan back to Julie Andrews, and she's in the dress, right? Much harder to do on stage, and also much less impressive if she, like, leaves and comes back, to the point where by the time you hit the 2013 version, we'll get there later on my segue, um, Mm -hmm. they have to invest in, like, a really fantastical costume transformation to sell that moment. And, like, Mm -hmm. you couldn't have done that sort of thing maybe in the 50s, not nearly as successfully. I mean, it would be hugely pioneering if they did. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they would have... They would have had to spend a lot of time. Yeah. I, because, like, quick changes over... The, as You can kind of chart quick changes over the years. Yeah. And even just in, in recent years, like, the difference between, like, the Legally Blonde quick change mm-hmm. to the uh, Cinderella quick change, that's, what, six-year difference? Yeah. But it's huge. Even, like, the actual difference is huge. Even just the, you know, like, apples to apples, the, like, Hyperion Disney Parks Frozen show uh, dress right. transformation, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then the Broadway version frozen dress transformation are vastly different different. and they're you know two three years apart certainly there's more money going on but yeah yeah yeah. it is interesting like cinderella if we want to if a a a living breathing part of it has to be this dress transformation right which it feels like it needs to if we're song spotting Mm -hmm. or moment spotting this is an important moment Mm -hmm. as a stage show is much more complicated in 57, so maybe Cinderella isn't suited for adaptation at the time. But we mm-hmm. got this brand new fangled thing called television. Let's try it there. It's cool. It's cool to see that kind of come together. For sure. Um, so yeah, so all that being said, I definitely watch the telecast, but don't let that be your first outing, I would, I would say. I would whisper in like, skim through the telecast. <laughs> Uh, no, it's so short. It's only like an hour and twenty. That's it's, it's probably even less than that. Like, it's real short, and it's just the latest thing. That's fair. On in in existence, it's later than the Disney film. Yeah, I find it. Do you know what I mean? Like the Disney film has more peril. Yeah, that's true. Than that's this. absolutely true. Um, and it's just very like the Cinderella story. Full stop. Right. Uh, and the one of the stepsisters, I can't remember her name. She's great. <laughs> yes. I who I would stepsister stepmother dream roles in Cinderella. 
for me. Thank you very much. Yes, please. Cool. We'll work that out for you, T. We we would be great stepsisters. To be honest, <laughs> I'm very tall. <laughs> and I'm I'm bitchy, so <laughs> you're bitchy. <laughs> and I do snort when I laugh. There you go. And I do have curls that are matted to my forehead. Well, I guess that's the ninety seven one. Well, when we do the gender bent Cinderella story, that's that's what can happen. I'm sure this is not original, but we can call it Cinderfella. That isn't original, but yes, we can. <laughs> sure. Sure thing. All right, Jimmy. Hop back in my time machine. We got to go forward a couple years. But the world is full of zanies and fools Who don't believe in sensible rules And won't believe what sensible people say And because these daft and dewy items keep building up impossible hopes Impossible things are happening Impossible, 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 impossible. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. No, no. I want to do... Dun, 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 dun. No, but see, it doesn't... The time machine itself doesn't make a noise. But dum Bum, bum, bum. Here we are. 1997. I was eight. Well, that was a jump. Whoop. I feel Whoop. A, little, a little... Yeah, what age are you? I was eight in 1997. Um, I probably watched this on television when it premiered. Um, I don't have the most I... memories of being eight, but I'm nearly... Uh-huh. Po- like, we watched The Wonderful World of Disney every Sunday or whatever okay. it was, so... I didn't, because it wasn't broadcast in the United Kingdom. That's fair. That's fair. So... Um, um, I would have. I love this movie the uh brandy and whitney houston version of cinderella um which is i think its colloquial title at this point (laughs) yeah i know exactly calling it just cinderella is weird right it's the whitney houston cinderella it's the whitney houston cinderella yeah um uh, but I mean, it literally says that at the start. Uh, she was a producer, Disney and Whitney Houston. Yeah, yeah she's exec. The story goes um, that Whitney Houston was initially producing it to be cast as Cinderella, as Cinderella, um, yeah. and then discovered or met or learned more about Brandy and said, "No, no, no, this girl has to do it." And Brandy, very flattered, said, "I will only do it if you be the fairy godmother." Um, and it's yeah. a really sweet. You know, that's also what happened in real life, right? That's the showbiz story, is Whitney was totally. like this one, and then Brandy happened. Yeah, because I don't know where this is in, like, Brandy's timeline. Like, because yeah. what I did watch was Moesha. Mm. I love Moesha. <laughs> um, and I d- so I don't know when, because I'm sure Moesha would have happened. Sure. At this point. Because she wasn't, like, she was still Brandy. Like, she was known. Right, as, you know, you the know artist I mean? known as, as Brandy. Yeah, 
Moesha. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, who is this new? This person? is probably right around the beginning of Moesha. I think it. What does it say? Ninety six. So we're right there. Okay, cool. You know, Brandy's. We've be- had maybe like a season. Yeah, uh, Brandy's becoming Brandy. Great. But that would be right. You know, if yeah. this premiered in ninety seven, that's right when the show would be in production, right? Ninety six ish. Exactly. That's how long yeah. it would take. Um, so and it so is that that makes sense. It is a great great movie. Um, it is, uh, it's hard to find these days, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. it's not on Di- well, Disney um, plus, which is Bra- ridiculous. Well, she's doing a, Brandy's doing a huge, um, like Twitter campaign currently happening. Get between mm. kids, uh, where she's trying to get it on Disney plus. I'm so curious why it's not because Disney why would want to put everything in anything they have on their streaming service. And so like, I wonder if there's some weird rights consideration with, the Rodgers and Hammerstein organization that is throwing a wrench in the worst. Or they're like waiting. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously they're going to let the dust settle on Hamilton. Right. And then it's like, yeah. Although having them both at once. So like your watch after Hamilton is you liked this, try Cinderella would have been. I mean, they've still got like their section on Disney plus of like, you know, powerful black stories. Like that, it's weird that that's not on yeah, it. It's real weird that you it's not I mean? on it, and you know Disney Plus should get on it. Um, but you, you can, should. You can find it elsewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, but um, the biggest thing this show is known for uh, is how multicultural it is. Um, and I do yeah. like. I always I hate the word multicultural, but I don't know a better word. You know, diverse, diverse. Yeah, that's a good it's word for it. Super diverse. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, beyond just uh, Brandy and Whitney, very much being the first black actresses in their roles um, in any major production that I know. I of. mean, literally, Brandy was the first black princess. Yeah. The th- right. First like, black Disney. That first point, black Disney princess. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like at, at that point in the nineties, we had not had that in common parlance. Right. At all. Right. And she was the first yeah um and that's incredible it is wonderful but not only that um you know they the the production actively goes out of its way to make um you know diverse casting decisions so the king and queen are played by Whoopi goldberg a black woman and victor garber a white man who have an asian son um the prince played by paulo montalban paulo montalban um, yeah, star. He was an he was an unknown. He was. He was um, yeah, he was in the chorus of the King and I. Ah, and he got plucked from that. Huh. Which um, I think is really cool. Yeah, and they're all great. And like the the cast is super diverse. Bernadette Peters is the stepsister, and is the stepmother, and the, one of the stepsisters is white, and one of the stepsisters is black. Like yeah. they're going out of their way to like, I don't know. Be like. Like it's, it's cool. This it is matter. this is like, what it is. This is representation. Yeah. This is diversity. And like, for for any time that's breaking a lot of molds and like dismantling some white supremacy that exists in musical theater existence. For ninety seven, right. this is progressive. This is great. totally um, for sure. It's really it's quite divine. Yeah, like I, I really love it. Um, because also, it's not like. It's also not turned into like, like the issues that you right. know. I mean, they're not. It's they've not added in a race subplot right. or anything exactly. like that. It's just this lovely fairy tale utopia yeah. where actually 
race here isn't an issue. Yeah. What I, you know what I mean, what I read was the only um, other like certainly they made a lot of like musically motivated changes. Um, but there was mm-hmm. one. <laughs> it's bad. Um, there was only one. Uh, uh, honestly, racially most of it motivated lyric change um, in my own little corner. Uh, she sings about originally Julie Andrews fantasizes about being a slave in Calcutta. And already we have a lot of problems here. Um, yeah. And in the Brandy version, uh, Brandy fantasizes about being a slave in Egypt, um, which also like, I think there's a lot to unpack in all these statements to be right. honest, but that's it. Um, and there's a lot of power in that too, because as much as it isn't a show about, you know, diversity or racial issues, it still becomes a show about these things just because of the casting choices, mm-hmm. um, which is great. And what it should be like, it's such a, a beautiful gem in its existence, yeah. certainly with flaws, but you know, and even, but even like, as you said, like with the music, they actually, they didn't change it a vast amount. Like no. it was mildly reorchestrated. It's not like, Oh, you're going to get the R and B version. Right. Of like you could, you could possible. Like, yeah it's not it's just got a bit more of a drum track in the back right. like yeah um and i that's what i really really love as well because it shows that even just down to singing mm-hmm. it's not like oh you're black so you need to sing r&b right do you know what i mean which i think you sometimes see quite a lot and sure like cel- like a celebration in mm-hmm. of right. rhythm and blues perfect absolutely when it's necessary but also why not throw yeah, you can also sing legit Rodgers and Hammerstein. Right, exactly. And it <laughs> you is know what a, I mean? Rodgers and Hammerstein especially is such a powerful and interesting choice. And not that, I mean, I haven't done uh, vast research into Rodgers and Hammerstein's history, but I do think you can kind of page through their uh, corpus of work and get a sense that they're about as racist as someone who's writing in the 1950s and 1960s is, you know? We all saw South Pacific. Right, exactly. Like you kinda you kinda get it. And it's not you know, it's not it's not something to encourage, it's not something to be proud of, and it is of its time. Um yeah. and certainly they have a very white sound, um, which is problematic. Yeah. And I understand that that statement is problematic. I wanna name that. But Well it's why it's interesting. Yeah. Just just on that point, like I read an article recently um that was talking about uh, in fact, I think it was linked to us by one of our listeners mm. um, when we were talking about brownface in Drood. Mm, yes. Uh, and they were like, wait till you see Otello. Mm-hmm. And so I read about that and I was like, holy smokes. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is happened. This is rife in the opera world. Yes. Right. Which is. And then so it was basically just reading about how opera is written for literally for white voices. Right. Do you know what I mean? Quote, unquote. Like, that is is how it's... And that in its own, I was like, that doesn't make sense yeah. at all yeah. because that's implying that there's never been any opera singers of colour. Right. Like, that's not true. Right. Um, but it does it does become self-fulfilling within its... within the art form, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so, obviously, Rodgers and Hammerstein are born out of that operetta world... Mm-hmm. Um, so the songs that they are writing could nestle right. into that they're, quite neatly. They're seeped in um, the structure. Exactly. But it just goes to show that actually their music is very good yeah. because when you've got someone like Whitney mm-hmm. 
belting it out, mm-hmm. it's actually, it works perfectly fine and is still extremely enjoyable. Right. And if you've got someone like Brandy singing a bit more tenderly, mm-hmm. it's still perfect nice. It might not be coloratura, you know, soprano. Well, and and but... I bet you Brandy could have. Like, that's the thing, right? Brandy's singing it how Brandy sings, and that's fine. Yeah. Because everyone should sing how they sing. You know, mm-hmm. there is like, and it, it, I find I find our conversations difficult because even our parlance of this discourse is seeped in some of the inherent racism that's in the world of musical theater in in the world yeah, of performance. Sure. And so it's hard to talk about it without stepping in it a little bit. Um, exactly. But like everyone should be allowed to sing with their own natural voice, like. If Carol Channing can sing how she sings Hello, Dolly, mm-hmm. then there is no right sound, quote unquote, for right. these things. And anything that implies or creates this is, you know, uh, uh, racist and gatekeeping in its existence. And exactly. this movie proves it. And it fully proves it. It's really great yeah. for that reason. Um, and also, like, it's just, it's just lovely. Oh, it's so good. It's, it's so, really lovely. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I rewatched it last night. I, the, we absolutely need to link it into the show notes because I think it is my magnum opus video I've ever made. But um, I had a couple beverages with some friends on Musical Theater MASH, oh, maybe half a decade ago now. Um, and we watched this. And, like, it's, it is the most egotistical thing to quote jokes that you've made in the past to your friends and still find them funny and it is still something uh, i do on a weekly basis from watching brandy well there you go yeah there you go do you want to give it a shout out right here for the the musical mash fans the let's see what jokes do i enjoy the most see now you put me on the spot and i can't think of any i know what one i would pick which one's your favorite the pasta bowl uh, the pasta bowl i'm still on their um mailing list and they still send me marketing emails uh when this when this video came out i got a lot of very confused tweets from whoever runs this local (laughs) pasta chain of restaurants in chicago illinois why are we getting tweets about cinderella and a video it's weird i'm surprised that they didn't get in touch to be honest i know i would i literally said pasta will call me and we'll work something out on the video absolutely they you did. could have done a full, yeah, yeah, a full parody. Every musical theater mash video after that would have been like this episode of musical theater mash is brought to you by <laughs> the Pasta Bowl. Get twenty percent off and you just your next rigatoni. Some... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're doing a twenty percent discount off for Fally this month, yeah. guys. Just put in the code musical mash. Um, yeah, uh, I do want to talk about literally, um, literally, not literally, uh, specifically mm-hmm. the adaptation because. It's of, it's not the exact same right. as the fifty seven telecast, um, and I think they did some interesting, good yeah. things. Yeah. What I did find fun was there's actually a lot of homage mm-hmm. in the Brandy version mm-hmm. to the original telecast. Yeah. So um, the uh, in my own little corner. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, the latter half of A Middle Little Corner mm-hmm. is literally, like, shot for shot. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Julia Andrews Brandy. Yeah. And when she's climbing up the stairs and stuff. And it's, it's lovely. Yeah, that is that. lovely. I didn't even think about that. But it totally is with the staircase and the... And the staircase, like, hiding. And yeah. The same, you know, I mean, like, the same kind of idea. And it doesn't feel... It feels like an homage. It doesn't feel like lazy direction. Right. Right. 
No. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's not like it's hugely deeply original. Right, exactly. And, and, like, and at oh. the time, well, I guess I wonder if when the 50, the 57 one must have just been re-released by the time they were doing this. Like, they probably had seen it, but I think they found that recording in the late... 2000s. Oh, really? So it didn't... 2000s. So they, they didn't have the video, right? That's a good point. You know? But I'm sure I'm sure there's production shots and stuff. Like, yeah, but it, uh-huh. it isn't, you know, I wonder how... Because this was directed by Rob Marshall, so I wonder... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so curious about that. If you know Rob Marshall, yeah. ask him. Why the staircase? Yeah, can you please ask him? Yeah, don't add any Maybe clarifying. Just, just ask him synergy. Yeah, probably. That'd be weird. That'd be so weird. Um, but no, so particularly I want to talk about um, two of the new songs mm-hmm. um, and kind of inverted commas new right. um, because they're from the R&H catalog. Yeah. New, new to the show. New to the show, exactly. Um, so they included uh, The Sweetest Sounds, mm-hmm. which is sung um, as a duet mm-hmm. with Cinder's and Christopher, yeah. um, and uh, like very nice, like in its own right, it's just it's just nice. It's yeah. very like, oh, I am I and have like this music in me kind of. You thing. have Bernadette Peters. Um, you want to give her a song. You want to give her another song if you can, like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what I love is the the framing of Sweet Sounds at the start mm-hmm. with the finale of There Is Music in You, mm-hmm. and just that nice little tie that. Uh, this idea of like you know music and and singing uh is your like power like that's your thing that you can latch on to and you know move mountains like i just really like that motif yeah um that they pulled because it's not like the sweet sounds and music and you are from the same thing right um i think music and you was written just for mary martin for a random movie right um but i love that they had that thought of bringing those two things together to create this motif yeah um which works really well for someone like cinderella mm-hmm. who you know is has her own little corner where she's singing her songs and living her fantasies do you know what i mean and it's all about like yeah that is a, a beautiful thing to celebrate i just thought that was really yeah it's very clever. Quite intelligent when it came to ad- adapting it because obviously they, they could have just pulled any old thing mm-hmm. from the songbook um which they did do in 2013 that we'll obviously talk about yeah, in sure. a little bit. Um, but I, I think there's just, there's intelligence behind that. And also the fact that, like, there is music in you is the perfect finale for Cinderella. Oh, it's great. It's perfect. Like, it's insane yeah. how good that fits. It's, and I do wonder if, like, I get this sense about Rodgers and Hammerstein sometimes i love their stuff i really do enjoy it as much as i find some of it stodgy and some of it seeped in racism um mm-hmm. like it's it's clever and lyrical and easy to listen to and it all kind of seems like you could just throw it all in a big bag pick seven of them and make a musical out of it you know i mean potentially but uh, we're talking about a different it's a different time. it's a different age i mean different that era, is, totally. that's how that's how you wrote musical theater was yeah you just pick from your bag um and i, I don't know i just think it, i think it works surprisingly well and mm-hmm. what it does is um for the first time mm-hmm. uh, it's really given cinderella a strong narrative yeah which is h- as opposed to just hard to do yeah yeah exactly as opposed to just being the cinderella story it's now more focused on well let's see cinderella as an individual right and how like how is she making her decisions yeah what is causing her to make the decisions and you know 
what are the result of her making these decisions yeah um which i think is really great because not only you know are these young black girls seeing oh my god princess right also seeing princess who is you know fully free thinker fully fledged yeah exactly exactly and like powerful it's all about like make your own destiny like you can do it yeah and it does like i think they did that across the board with this adaptation um i think more so even than 57 just with some of the like you know minor book updates and even just some like staging and moment decisions from scene to scene Uh about like making real human characters in what is a fairy tale um yeah because like i think you know it is it is perilous to (laughs) try to adapt a fairy tale especially something like cinderella you know you gotta have the slipper you got she's got to change in a dress like there's some things that have to be a part of the story and they don't make a lot of sense um Mm -hmm. because they're you know mistranslations and oral tradition passed down and appreciated but it's also the stuff that people are looking for when they come to see the thing um we were talking about it when we watched it last night like (laughs) how ridiculous it is that no one recognizes cinderella at all throughout the entire movie back and forth like you know or that like cinderella meets the prince at the beginning in the hat market before he's the prince and introduces herself and then he doesn't recognize her at all when she's at the ball. Like, the update. then, like, she y- y- doesn't, Changes everything. She doesn't recognize him, really, either, as the peasant from the marketplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then, you know, maybe Bernadette Peters kind of recognizes her, but the stepsisters sing a whole song like, she's such a weird-looking girl. Haven't seen anyone yeah, exactly. like her. Like, you really have to... And, like... No one thinks about this because it's well done. Like, yes, it's a fantasy world and we've staged it in this whimsical way to let you know this. But yeah. to then, like, along with some of that stuff, some of the more, um, you know, uh, impactful stuff is like, we call, we have the phrase evil stepmother for a reason. Like, it's a, it's a, mm. it's a motif from this thing, right? And the stepsisters and the stepmother get some moments in here that really humanize them. And, like, really make it, like, you know, when I was watching it last night, there's a backstory you can build that, like, Bernadette Peters is, I'm just going to keep calling her Bernadette Peters, um, is so pissed that her biological daughters are these, you know, rolling idiots. And her non-biological daughter is, you know, smart and clever and so has done all these things to set up her biological daughters for success and, you know, throw her stepdaughter under the bus. And, you know, how did like you see her get frustrated with the, you know, how, how dull some of her daughter's statements are. Um, and like it's humanizing. It doesn't. It's very humanizing. It doesn't make yeah. her. It does. It makes her a little less evil. She's still evil. Like she's still a bad person. But well, giving her some motivation there in a fairy uh-huh. tale in something that is, you know, as fluffy as sugar cake. Like that's a great thing to do. It makes it interesting. It makes it worth it. it exactly. I think like I, this is something I really appreciate about the RNH Cinderella is the inclusion of the song um, "A Lovely Night." Mm-hmm. Uh, which is when they all sing together as a family and remember yeah. the night that they just had. Um, and obviously there's, it's in the 57, in the original, it was like this fun back and forth where it was like, 
were you there? Right. How do you know this? It's la, 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 and, ha, yeah. ha, ha. Oh, and now the stepmother's joining in, and that's funny because she's so evil. Yeah. Um, in this, like, it, it is a bit more because when I, I don't know, I guess just because it might just be because it's Bernadette and she's very talented. Right. But you can see the switch. You can see her reminiscing about something that isn't just oh, it was such a lovely ball. It was more like oh, something in my past, love. It's you know what I mean, etc. Yeah. Um, and then she has that moment where she realizes yeah that it was Brandy right, and and then she goes she has all this evil, incredible switch, so evil, and then has that really cut. I can't remember what she says. That really cut oh, yeah. speech on the stairs. It's so, and it's made like this place is a sty. And it's like Yeah, just it's so like so forced. And it's that and it is, it's that really human bitterness. It's not the classic Disney, you know, you're only lit in your eyes right. evil. Yeah. It is just very human. I'm angry and I'm taking it out on you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that kind of thing. Um and I love that because like you say, this is the Cinderella story. This is the frothy fairy right. tale. Yeah. And even I noticed this time through, because I have discounted the lyrics as being kind of fluffy in this show, but it is mm-hmm. in the DNA of the thing. Like some of the, you know, um, I think uh Do I Love You Because You're Beautiful? I'd never mm-hmm. really like I've heard that song a thousand times, but I've never really listened to it. Yeah. What a honest, like, love song. And I'm not yeah. I'm not counting I'm not really expecting these two authors from the fifties to be like super girl powery. Um mm-hmm. but the question like, do I love you because you're beautiful or are you beautiful because I love you mm-hmm. is such a gorgeous sentiment in a world where it could be like this amazingly gorgeous woman walked in and I was swept with her beauty and like yeah. it's not what it's saying. You know, there are even yeah. like little quips in the whole thing where it's like you felt it, you know, I think uh, uh, Paolo Montalban's uh, uh, Whoopi Goldberg and Victor Garber like asked uh-huh. the question, like, you fell in love overnight? That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like they they lampshade some of the fairy tale things um, in such a beautiful way. Or even like um, uh, the stepsister's lament, you know, why would a fellow like a girl like her? If you dive into those lyrics, it's, exactly. it's very much like, why would why would he like such a, you know, She's nothing. She's she's a bubble. She's you know totally. She could pop in a second. Um, not yeah. like you know. Uh, uh. Oh, I'm so sad that she's more beautiful than me. Um, right. Like there's a an honest, acceptable frustration from the quote unquote evil stepsisters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where they could have like been, and they do become mean, but they're not mean all the time. They're humans too. Which... They're still human. Yeah, exactly. There's still something behind it. Yeah. It's not just classic fairy tale villain. Right. Of, that's all you are. Yeah. There is a, a, a backstory yeah. there. And like, um, they didn't need to, I think is my point. It's Cinderella. It didn't. Right. And they didn't in the 57. Right. They did in the 57. The it, Disney it movie doesn't take any, you know, the evil stepsisters no, and the evil stepmother are evil and they're just evil and they're shitty people. Gus Gus has more character than them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's true. Yeah. Um, and that's what I think is really smart about this is that they've just, they've just thought more about it, and yeah. they've just been able to be like, well, what story can we tell? Sure. Um, and I love that. Obviously, Whitney has also had this idea of like, I want to paint a multicultural, yeah. diverse picture here. Yeah. Um, and put these people oh, in the and it's. It's so powerful on ABC Family 
uh, during prime time telling a children's story like it was i did a little bit of search and could find nothing um because people get angry about everything and i fully expected there to be something in 1997 mm. you know from some terrible paper or whatever that's like a black cinderella how dare they and i couldn't yeah or just like i see what you're doing right i couldn't Do you know what i mean i couldn't find anything I don't know if I didn't find the right corner, and I'm, but it makes me kind of happy that like it it works. Yeah, it, but it's just because it's so unabashedly delightful. Yeah. Like there's there's nothing like because there is nothing wrong with it. Oh, they're, they're not trying to paint any particular stroke. It's just no, no, no. This works. It's also just a, <laughs> like, a great movie from like the production design to like yeah. rewatching some of the special effects they do with the dress transformations for like 1997. Mm-hmm. Man, oh man, they are golden to like you know whitney houston flying around in her shimmery stuff like she ain't got legs but she can she can fly the cgi pumpkin i do want to see the behind the scenes where like whitney houston standing on a skateboard that some poor stagehand yeah that's literally what the skateboard but it was a truck that she was just riding on alongside i love that idea it's fantastic very good um no it's it is it's really lovely um i just want to put make one little last note Mm -hmm. um before we move on uh so I, I take it you've never seen the My Little Pony movie. I have not seen the My Little Pony movie, as you noticed when so, I asked you about this when you put it in the show notes document yeah, earlier. Exactly. If they ever did a live action, uh huh, I want those two stepsisters to play um, Draggle, and I can't remember the other one's name. Uh, but there's two. It's it's basically the same kind of construct of. <laughs> An evil witch and her two daughters okay. who are like young witches, and one is very, very tall and gangly, and one is a bit dumpier. Um, and they're just like really like crass, but have this really fun relationship with each other. Um, and these two would be perfect. So I'm excited for that to happen. <laughs> the live action My Little Pony movie. By the way, the mm. My Little Pony movie is really good. I don't believe you. We will have to cover it one day because it's a musical. <sighs> okay, I'll put it on. I'll put it on the list. Maybe next week. <laughs> typing sound. Typing sound. Typing sound. Honestly, though, it's real. Like it's the kind of thing. You know, have an edible. <laughs> sure. Stick it on. Right. You'll have the time of your life. <laughs> it's really good. It's it's really good. See, but now I don't like the setup of this because now a bunch of people are going to be in, in my Twitter being like, Tommy, you got to watch this. No, I don't think it was that popular. <laughs> also, it's really old. <laughs> I think it's like 70s. Really? Oh, it's old My Little... Because there's new My Little Pony. Oh, no, it's not like 3D, oh, please. Okay. No, this is like our OG. I think it is because like the main girl looks like she's uh, kind of like a hippie child. Got it. It's really good. I'm singing the songs in my head right now. That's, I'm sorry for you. I'm not. I'm having the time of my life. Quick, Jimmy, hop in my time machine. <laughs> Are we going to My Little Pony Land? I, I don't know to, what year was, it was set. I was trying to think of another uh, uh, like cinematic time machine as we travel to 2013. There will be one. Oh, I just watched uh, Endgame. Mm, it doesn't go. make a sound again, but yeah, we'll use that. Yeah. Because you're 
Yes, so we're in 2013. That was only seven years ago. I know, it feels like... Actually, I say only. I know. That was a long time ago. That was a long time. Even when time moved at a normal speed. Oh my god, seven years, actually. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember this... That's wild. Did 2013... I don't know if I made a Tony survival for this one, but this was right around the time when I was deeply into following the Tonys as an internet mm. personality. Um, like, mm. I remember doing research about Cinderella. This was, ah, this was Pippin year. This was Pippin, Drood, Annie, and Cinderella. Wow. Yeah, Jimmy made a long face, everyone listening <laughs> via audio. <laughs> I did. That's. Yeah. Yeah, I'd... a surprise because it feels way more recent than Druid. Yeah, it's so I I agree. There is this weird disconnect in where I've decided these musicals happened as opposed to when they actually happened. Like to me, it was like three years ago. Yeah, and then the, that's what it feels like. The the non revives were Kinky Boots, which one? Bring It On, Christmas Story, uh-huh. and Matilda. Yeah, yeah. Crazy town. Oh well, there you go. Does that mean that? Does that say something? It does. It's timeless? I, you know, maybe. It is an interesting thought, and we can talk about it when we talk about the plot changes, but I do think, mm-hmm. like, Cinderella is such a nothing story at its core, right? At yeah. this point, you know, um, because it is so trite, I think, and uh, isn't very, you know, like, you're only good if you're married, women, right? It doesn't have the yeah. best morals, even at its deepest unpacking. She is the beigest of the Disney princesses. Yes, yes. Um, and it's, like, all about, like, the, it's the quintessential princess story, I would yeah. argue. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it is an interesting question to ask. Like, does this music make it timeless? Does this, you know, this flavor of adaptation make it long-lasting? Mm. Or are we just stuck with Cinderella from now until the heat death of the universe? Mm. well probably just because it was such an old story right I, I was reading recently like there's like ancient china yeah they have their own cinderella story yeah it, ancient greece i think had one to, like yeah madness yeah. but love it um yeah so hey we're in 2013 it's it's on broadway wow my goodness for the first time <laughs> yeah it's on stage i don't know why it took so long yeah to go to broadway because there were, sti- you know, what I mean, it it wasn't like this will never be on a stage. No, it had been on a stage. Yeah, there were create like it had. They had made stage adaptations of it that were performed plenty. Right, I think it was even performed at like the Muni. Yeah, but not on Broadway. Which, but not on Broadway, and no one was like, "Oh, we'll transfer that." Really crazy. Um, but hey, they decided that it was time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Douglas Carter Bean decided he was going to write the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and he decided to mix it up yet again. Yep. Um, but I think what's quite cool is that, like, 1997 very much laid the foundations mm-hmm. of this. Yeah. It kind of paved the way. It started off being like, this is a story about this girl, Cinderella, mm-hmm. and how cool she is. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then 2013 was like, it is a story about Cinderella and how cool she is. Yeah. And this is what makes her cool. And it just deep dives a little bit more yeah. into building Cinderella as a as a person. Important, significant character. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um and yeah, I think 
it's worth talking about the the changes that they did for this one yeah. in terms of the score. There's a lot of them, and on a, to fully frankly, Jimmy can keep them straight better than I can. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's also it's like it's not it's not easy to track these things because most of them, well, like all of them are just like cut songs. Yeah. From other shows, um, but also quite interestingly, it's like this should have been in Cinderella. There's some that should have been in Cinderella. Right. So it opens has a new opening. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of in my own little corner or mm-hmm. the um, the like there's the brandy introduction, a ball, yeah, the prince, da, 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 da. um, instead of that, uh, it opens with uh, Santino Fontana, mm-hmm. um, singing a song called Me Who Am I, mm-hmm. um, which was cut from our favorite musical, Me and Juliet, know it by heart, I could tell you everything about it. Like, and it's such a shame that Me Who Am I was, was cut because, <laughs> you know, that would just be the icing on the cake. Yeah. Um, but basically, it's just it's a song about uh, being a prince, mm-hmm. fighting dragons, and how awesome I am. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but with a little bit forlorn. It's, and it's quite an interesting, like, decent enough I want song. Yeah. Um, and it instantly, it's like, oh, this is a different story because. We're now looking at the prince. Right, we're starting so with the really prince. the first time that it's like, yeah, we get to know the prince, yeah, a bit more because prior to this, I mean, the nineteen fifty seven, he may as well not be there. Right, you, you barely, and he's he's like the exciting <laughs> incident for the whole damn show. But anyway, exactly. Um, and then you know it builds a little bit more yeah. Montalban, and this very much he is a, he's a character. A, a, so a we've co-star. got that one, yeah um they've got uh now is the time mm-hmm. so this is in fact like i'm just going to run through what the story is yeah because and it, that will help me it is too <laughs> yeah so if you haven't seen it um it's what i think you can buy the the libretto mm-hmm. go for it it's, it's its own unique thing um basically what um douglas carter being dead uh was just, I mean, he's, he can tell he's just like, I want to write something for now. Mm-hmm. I want to write a contemporary story that has issues that people can relate to yeah. nowadays, which is, you know, the very much the zeitgeist of Broadway writing yep. at the moment, the past 10 years. Um, so what he's done, as well as diving more into Cinderella, mm-hmm. he's also kind of decided to look at socialism. Mm-hmm. Um you know why not right why not you know <laughs> baked into cinderella. the dna of cinderella is socialism that's what the grimms brothers are really <laughs> talking about um but yeah so basically um the prince his parents are dead in this one mm-hmm. um and there's kind of like a steward character um who sort of takes care of him and kind of runs the kingdom right and the prince is sort of just the mouthpiece he's yeah. just the mouthpiece is the face um and he's about to be coronated and, and things like that um so but you can tell quite early on that this steward guy has kind of got his own agenda. He gets mm-hmm. the prince to sign off and stuff that the prince has not, knows nothing about. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then there's a character called Jean-Michel, mm-hmm. who is a sort of firebrand revolutionary um, who wants to speak up for the people who haven't been heard and people have been apparently forced out their homes in this, you in know, this insert kingdom, kingdom yeah. name here. Um, and... So Jean-Michel wants to speak to the prince, but the prince won't hear him mm-hmm. because the steward guy is putting up this barrier, blah, blah, blah. He also has this relationship. Mm-hmm. 
you can tell with the Cinderella family. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's where the other major difference lies. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, we've still got the same format of stepmother, two stepsisters, Cinderella. Mm-hmm. But one of the stepsisters is kind of nice. It's kind of nice. Even nicer than the 97 ones where they're just kind of nothing. Like human-y. Right. Yeah, this yeah. one's genuine, like has nice moments yeah. where she has a redeeming thing. Um, and also is involved in this kind of relationship with mm-hmm. this John Michel character, um, and yeah. So already there's a lot. There's of a new lot more stuff. to this. Yeah. There's a lot of new stuff. Um, so that song that I was talking about before, and now is the time, is kind of Jean Michel's revolutionary number where he's trying to make a sort of call to arms to the people. Yeah. Um, but and I think quite intelligently, they mash it up with the prince is giving a ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is this idea of like, we'll silence the revolutionary with all this pomp and circumstance yeah. and they overlap it reasonably well, yeah. um, for, you know, t- for it being two, two different, different songs, yeah. songs being forced together. Um, when that was originally supposed to be in South Pacific. Yeah. Wild. There you go. Yeah. Um, then with the stepsisters, we have a apostrophe placement yep. change. <laughs> it is no longer stepsisters plural. It is stepsisters one. And again, I think I like it more. Interesting. Yes. Now, it, like the stepsisters of men as a duet is really good fun. It's, a ton. A it's a ton of fun. It's, yeah. it's, it's fun. Um, what this feels like is it feels like a sort of wash that man right out of my hair mm, style sure. R&H female number. Yeah. Right? Where it's like really involved female chorus. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's, it's, it has that vibe. It's got like the many a new day vibe, but it's been sung by the stepsister. So it's not right. like, oh, we're, you know, ingenues and romantic and it's all about love. Right. It's kind of all about love, but in a completely different, different way. In a different way, and that's what I quite love about it because I'm like, well, that actually doesn't exist in the RNH canon. Yeah, like, like not... the comedy gal mm-hmm. is always a soloist, right? You know what I mean? Um, is that right? Idwani. Yeah, I'd have to look. A yeah, little... Mr. Snow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. all the like they have their song, right? Do you know what I mean? And and in this time it was a duet, right? But now as a chorus number, it just feels yeah a bit good. And again, it helps humanize the princesses a bit more yeah because it's like we're all on your side right we get you we're yeah. singing along with you yeah kind of vibe so that's also different then they've got the most random inclusion yes ever with the song he was tall it feels i like i wonder if we don't know enough about what happened here you know like yeah what was going on behind the curtain mm-hmm. like even though they don't do that anymore like, right. <laughs> but yeah this is it feels like okay this is a scene change right. this is and we got we can't get the song here. because they gotta you know we gotta mop up something or whatever like right like it's really weird it's a very short song yeah it was just the original opening to hello young lovers mm-hmm. from king and i that got cut yeah um and it means Means nothing. nothing it does not it literally is like the prince was tall yeah that's that's that yeah very odd inclusion and i would like to know the reason why like if that would be one of those things if i got to speak to mr bean yeah uh i would say 
what are you playing at? Right. Or was What's that got to did do? Like, was, there, were there memos from R&H organization? They were like, we'd like you to include at least five cut song or you know yeah exactly uh, yeah 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 right like the, and he's like i'll just pick a short one i need to make my quota there is like so there is one interview with him mm-hmm. and he's like this is the one i didn't tell anyone about as if it's like huh oh my god is he was, he was tall, tall the I cut missed thing it. from like, king and i like no it is such a it's weird i do wonder and it is because rnh is, is like pushing us to dabble into more of a an opera world and that uh-huh. there is like there's a part of this discourse that we're not into is like people who came to see this show for the first time and didn't know what the changes were going to be. were like, Oh me, who am I? Oh man, me and Juliet. Like I'm so excited. That song gets some airtime, a Rogers and Hammerstein. Great. Like there are mm-hmm. Rogers and Hammerstands. Um, but not to know the cut things from, you know what I mean? Like yeah, you'd have to be deep stand for that. If fair it's point. Cut. Like it's not, yeah, because it's not like it's a standard. Right. Quite the opposite. Yeah, it's, it's barely nothing. even, it's not even really a full song in its original intention, right? Like, like the, so literally the only thing I'm like, is this a nod to Into the Woods? Huh. How? Right? Um, and uh, what's the song called? Um, he's oh. a very nice prince. He was tall. Was is that the, all? Well, he's tall. Yeah genuinely yeah the only link i can see yeah that'd be wild that's 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 some like zodiac murderer shit like right exactly or like yeah i know was like that much in love with sondheim that he was like right gonna do this yeah i don't know the reason it's weird anyway um they also brought back uh loneliness of evening Mm -hmm. um which is a namby pamby duet Mm. And they cut out um, the sweetness, the sweetest sound, mm-hmm. and basically replaced it with this. And I prefer the sweetest sound because of that. Because of the idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just. I mean, it's nice. Yeah, sure. But, but it's namby pamby. Yeah. Do you have that term? Namby pamby. I'm with you. Yeah. I don't know if I would use Thank it you. in. I would prefer to say fiddly faddly foodle, if we're being honest. Well, we all would. <laughs> But you have to get rights to say that. So. Um, and then obviously it finishes with the brand new finale of uh, There's a New Book in You, which we know which from is how is a wonderful choice. Exactly. So they're like the main changes. Yeah. Um, and it is a very different beast. Wholly different show. Um, and of course, like, that makes sense because it was written for television, right? You would want it to be as different as intentionally so. Although I would say where these these changes don't seem entirely motivated by the form change, right? They're motivated by some, like, story updating. It is just interesting because, like, no one would ever let you do this with Oklahoma. Right. Right? Like, to, to play as fast and loose. Like, maybe uh, Meet Me in St. Louis is and maybe is close to, like, this drastic of a changing, a you know, mm. um, for for the worst for St. Louis. But it is mm-hmm. also interesting because I en- enjoy some of the changes in the 2013 one. I think they add a new interesting thing, like a new interesting take on it. There is a humanizing, like it makes it feel a little less fluffy and a little more important while still yeah. letting the fluff exist. 
but as we've discussed already at length, there's not a lot wrong with the 97 version. Right. It's not terribly problematic or dated. I do wonder if the 97 <sighs> version presented in a two, with a 2003 cast, which admittedly is not terribly diverse. Um, mm-hmm. It's about as diverse as most Broadway shows of the day, which is very right. much not. Um, Let's see more. But... And and so maybe that would lessen some of the joy and impact of the ninety seven, but I think so. I think like it it would make it it it's still quite fluffy. Yeah. Like ninety seven it is like Cinderella is a woman and you can do what you want, you just need to make your dream come true. Right. You know what I mean? Like that like that theme is now in the thing. Right. Um but that's all it is. Right. If if you're just um, reading it. Right. Yeah. So I can see why they'd be like, we need to flesh things out. And they do it like the thing is is like the socialism thing isn't so left field. Like they do integrate it into Cinderella's character. Yeah. Um and there is because they have this well, they have this thing where um towards the end, mm-hmm. uh basically Cinderella sets up the meeting mm-hmm. between the prince and Jean Michel. Um and she's like, This is a great thing that we need to do. And Jean Michel, this is his calling, like I need to be more than just fighting dragons i want to be like doing something and helping people and she's the kind of vehicle yeah for that and that's quite cool because it's that idea of like this would never have happened without cinderella and that's very empowering yeah because even in 97 yeah there's none of that there's she the kind of all she does is has courage right and dreams and, and then she gets them yeah whereas this is like she's actively yeah active yeah. basically and i guess um, i could see the like writer's room conversation when you're like we want to we want to infuse some kind of you know discussion of an issue into cinderella mm-hmm. write all of mm-hmm. them down on the board and let's start talking about them and it's like well we can't really unpack some of the like sexism or heteronormatism or yeah. you know like uh preferences to marriage and like because they're so core to what are the key tenets of cinderella for better or worse like right, you right, they're right, gonna right. get married at the end right they're gonna yeah. fall in love you can't unpack that so then what's left well there is kind of a, a classism discussion going on here okay how do we flesh that out boom you've got the socialism li- storyline yeah. yeah um and it's still like the kind of main issues with the r is it's so broad strokes yeah that it's not like wow this is a commentary like this is really right. like good um, and there's loads of plot holes, but I think from the kind of bones that they had from '97, mm-hmm. that was birthed like from the idea of '57. Mm-hmm. I think actually 2013 is probably the best they could have done. Yeah, that's um, fair. And it's still enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's still really lovely, and it is pure fantasy. Right. It's still a which fairy we don't tale. See yeah, which we don't see a heck of a lot of no. on Broadway. No, and I guess like even like, you know, post the 2010s, we don't see a lot of just general like fairy tale taking itself seriously as a fairy tale. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of you know whether you've got your Into the Woodses or even things like uh, Enchanted. Um, mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of turning the fairy tale norm on its head. But there's not yeah. a lot of things that's Shrek. like, yeah, exactly. Like let's let's you know flip this around and and make commentary using it. But there's yeah. not a lot of like, we're just gonna tell little Red Riding Hood. We're not gonna put a ho- right. you know a horror spin on it or make her live yeah. in New York or you know right. Yeah. 
like and Cinderella is just Cinderella. They just they do their best to make it Cinderella while you know adapting what they can to make it not so feel like it, it is from the 1800s. Yeah, it's feel it's just like well, I could have watched the Disney film, right? Exactly. And I would have yeah. that, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I totally appreciate what what they did um, with it, and I think it's definitely still worth existing. And I don't know, like the next revival is that going to be? It's a good question again. Well, and there, like, how does that how does that work? And there is, um, isn't there a movie coming out, or is that the ALW version? So yes, we've got. Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cinderella <sighs> fast approaching on the horizon. I know. Run, everyone, With run. The single worst art ever. The single worst <laughs> art ever. Uh, like I only know it's so bad because I've had to listen to Jimmy complain about it before. <laughs> it's so awful. Like it makes something I'm trying to think of like a notoriously bad I'm looking at my wall. Like really bad. I don't know. Someone like Pearly. Yeah. Well, and there's just the like shows oh, Pippin, that like original Pippin. Original Pippin. Actually, no, it's decent. Yeah. They had typography. This is pesh. Well, and it's pesh. Are they doing? <laughs> we're we're totally off base because this has nothing to do with the with Cinderella Rodgers and Hammerstein version. It's just the same proto story. Um, yeah. But like, so if you have the artwork, Cinderella's like spray painting her dress on, and it looks notes. like an upside down heart or a butt. Maybe. It's the shoe. Is it the shoe? Am I looking at the wrong? Or is that the dress? Oh, no, that's the that's dress. That's the dress. Um, yeah. It's just, it's weird and stupid. And like. It looks like it was made on MSP. Yeah. And I do wonder, and like the font is stupid, but like the cat's logo is stupid too. It's become iconic, but like, you know. The cat's logo is fine. I, Stop that. Stop that sorry, right I was now. Trying the to, cat's logo is absolutely I had to fine. I had to get one in before the episode was over. But I do wonder if we are seeing something reflected. Like, are is it going to be like Cinderella, but she does graffiti, you know? Or like right. some Who knows? pish like that. Fletcher and I'm, I'm done. Did you say pish? Yeah, I'm, you're rubbing off on me. Did I say? Did I use it right? <laughs> did I use, use it right in the sentence? What, pish yeah. or rubbing off on ah, me? Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> The answer is yes. Excellent. Um, yeah, it is pitch. <laughs> I'm not excited for it. Because I'd much rather see this again. Yeah. Do sin- I don't know. I've literally not heard a single thing from the new Angela Joe one, but I don't care yeah. because I'd just rather have this. Because yeah. I know it's going to be yeah. better. But hey. You can still watch the 97 so, yeah. Brandy and Whitney one. So. I'm not going to do anything less. It, Hurry up and get it on Disney Plus, though. Come on now. Michael, What's that Michael Eisner, are you listening? Is that right? He's a Disney guy. Um, He's the current Disney guy, I think. Although there was some drama with that and they got fired. Disney Twitter is getting very close to musical theater Twitter these days, just in like followers circles. And yeah. I don't understand a lot of the words they use. No. Um, but either way, let's all retweet Brandy's tweet. Mm-hmm. Let's make this happen. Imagine if it was us <laughs> that did it. I mean, we tipped it over the edge. <laughs> Uh, it 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 wouldn't be the weirdest thing on my 2020 bingo card, <laughs> right? We got cloud. <laughs> we got something. That's for sure. We got. We had. Hey, Jimmy, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> Come on, join in. I do enjoy. Like, it's a song I enjoy, and no one has figured out how to do the little bit where the fairy godmother and Cinderella look at each other and just go impossible. 
impossible. Impossible. Impossible. Impossible. And like, I wish, like. Well, it's better than what they did in 1957, which was just impossible. Right. Impossible. Impossible. Aren't they sitting in the carriage and like rocking around? Or is that the second? Yeah, it's a very, very close quarters film. Um, It's great. Because like, you could even, I wish musically, like if I were going to give be giving show notes to Riders and Hammerstein, I would say mm-hmm. go back and intentionally re-syncopate them differently. Because right now they're all, uh, they're written straight, right? Impossible, impossible, impossible. Mm-hmm. Like they're all mm-hmm. on and make them all different. Impossible, 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 mm-hmm. right? Like. At least do something, please. I like it. Thank you. No, not oh. yours. The original. <laughs> Mine's. Well, I say the original. I like Brandy and Whitney Houston's version. That's fair. I just wish they did something other than look at each other and say impossible. I wish. Impossible. I wish. Impossible. Whitney, and I guess you don't like you don't want to give away that she does music or does magic. Um, too much <laughs> of music. What the heck's wrong with me? been a long week um <laughs> whitney does you don't music. want to give away that she does too much magic because then there's the shock of like the mice turning into the thing and the you know the pumpkin right but it would be fun if like you know uh uh whitney like snapped her fingers and a candle lit and brandy went impossible and whitney went and like shrugged and was like impossible and then like you know did another magic thing and brandy's like impo- you know like give give him something to do instead of just like being on the other side of the table and yeah it ruined the movie for me let me tell you 2025 revival yeah. That's directed by do. us candles <laughs> candles and snaps but just that scene just that moment rob marshall call us that's the only thing that everything else will keep yeah. the same now you can go wherever you want to Cinderella. I'm glad we got it finished. It still feels weird to say. I do. It is, and it's a line in the Brandy version. I don't think it's in the 57, but uh, she meets the prince in the hat market and introduces herself and says, mm-hmm. My name's Cinderella. I like to sit by the fire and play with the ashes. I like to sit and by the fire that, and, right? yeah, exactly. and like, yeah, it's in 2013. That's not, well. at least in the, in the 13 one, they call her Ella and it's like a nickname and like we, uh-huh. we get it. But it's like the implication in the 97 one is that her her parents named her Cinderella 
and then later learned that she liked playing in the cinders. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I get. I mean, or maybe just as a baby, she just kept walking towards the fire, <laughs> and they were like, oh, wait, she loves this. It's also it's a part that Cinderella. never really, you know, you never really see her. I guess she does sit by the fire in her own little corner, in her own little room, but she doesn't really talk about it. Anyway, I've got a quiz question for you. <laughs> Thank you. What is it? Our next episode features the latest outing of a composer who's been referred to as God in their past. What could it be? Asterisk, the composer is not Stephen Sondheim. Yeah, we're not doing that um, Sondheim on Sondheim. Not yet. yet. Although I do love that one, but that's not it. Yeah, that's that's a great song. Anyway, hey, if you want to get in touch with us, you absolutely can. Uh, our show Twitter and Instagram is at Jim and Tomic. That is J I M A N D T O M I C. Or you can drop us an email on our website at jimandtomic.com. And while you're there, you can check out our Patreon if you want to financially support the show. Thank you to our uh, many new patrons who are joining us. Um, also, if you're interested, we are adding another tier to our Patreon $5. We're getting active. Get Yay. excited. <laughs> um, Jimmy and I are. Uh, video recording the podcast. We're not going to release the whole thing because that's just too much. But we are going to pull some clips of stuff that may or may not, that probably didn't make the final cut. Um, that literally won't have made the final cut. And the only way you can see it is uh, behind this tier on Patreon. So if that's the sort of thing that jazzes you up and you're interested in, check out that tier and uh, uh, and you can see those clips. Yes, indeed. But hey, if you want to support us in any other way, then reviews over on Apple Podcasts are still super duper helpful mm-hmm. or you can just tell your friends our biggest growth is by word of mouth you know t- you For tweets sure. about us are so adorable um and so wonderful and like we uh, it makes me so happy whenever people yeah. are like you know, retweeting like, I'm looking for a new podcast. Hey, check out this one. Thank you all for doing that. Yeah, exactly. It's really, really nice. And honestly, as well, keep sending us emails. I really love the emails. Yeah, it's a fun way. We've had some great Fun emails. way to pass the time. Real nice. Exactly, exactly. And hey, that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Tommy, cheers. Cheers. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
That is a terrible Sonic experience. <sighs> Metal straw, though. <laughs> it's like you're calling us in for dinner. <laughs> what is that? Have you seen that kerning? <laughs> I, I didn't know what you were talking about until you started to do it. Woo! <laughs>